We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. I wanted to jump in quickly and let you know about the release of the audio version of my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, narrated by David A. Knesser. If you want to support the show, you can buy it wherever audiobooks are sold. Links are also in the show notes. Now, on to my guest for today, Shana Cosgrove, CEO of Nyla Technology Solutions. Shana has blazed a trail through the male-dominated industry of software engineering, finding her niche in government work. Frustrated by working for others, she eventually realized that the only thing stopping her from founding her own business was the paperwork. As CEO of Nyla, she provides the federal government with software engineering services and cloud-based architecture. Shana built Nyla from the ground up at a time when she was also starting a family. Her husband is Chief Information Officer and lends expertise in cybersecurity. Their kids are already showing an interest in entrepreneurship too. Shana is also founder and creative strategist at Vital Up Marketing. Shana shares her frustrations at having to correct the common misconception that she works for her husband's company, as well as the push and pull of building a business working from home, caring for young children, and negotiating household and caregiving work with her husband. Now Shana is grateful that she can focus on doing the aspects of work she loves, working for herself, and being able to be there for her family. Now, let's get better together. Shana Cosgrove, welcome to the podcast. 
Thank you. So you actually run two businesses, which um, I always makes think makes me extra crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always think one's enough, right? But I, I see, yes. I see how that can go because I also have a ton of these different interests, and I sometimes have a hard time picking which one to, to go with. Uh, but before we talk about those two businesses, which which actually are seem different, but my guess is a little are similar, but I don't know. We'll talk more about that later. Um, I would love to hear how you got to do what you're doing because like me, you have an engineering degree and transitioned into business. So tell me a little bit about that. Uh, sure. So I um, went off to college deciding I was going to either major in voice or uh, voice and English. I was going to double major or computer science. And uh, I ended up picking con- uh, computer science and sticking with it. When I graduated, um, it was in 1998 and we were inundated uh, with job offers. So I had a job offer before uh even Thanksgiving before I went home for Thanksgiving in my senior year. And I worked, um, I went to school in Virginia and a lot of Northern Virginia is made up of government contractors. Uh, also by Dulles airport is one of the main domains of the internet. Uh, one of the seven hubs of the internet is, uh, right in Dulles. So tons and tons of work up in Northern Virginia and a huge portion of it is related to government contracting. So I just took the job that sounded coolest. And we were developing um, the software for a central control panel of an SH-60, which is a Navy uh, helicopter. Oh, and, uh, wow. The river, it was a great environment. Um, and uh, yeah, that's how I got my start, working on the SH-60. <laughs> so um, I largely have stayed in government contracting my whole career. I really liked, uh, I liked what I, what I viewed as being the good guys who are helping build the defense. Right. I'm, I never felt like physically I was the, I was never going to be a GI Jane, but I could be like the nerd in the back room, uh, building things that, uh, help us be stronger, better, faster, um, and protect people. Uh, and I like really hard problems. So I was always attracted to kind of the hardest work. Um, and uh, yeah, that's how I started. And I've, I stayed working as a software systems engineer my whole career. Hmm. Interesting. And so is it, was it the looking at all the sort of inner workings of how all the government contracting works and building all these systems that led you to found your company or did, how did the transition go from I'm working for a defense contractor to, oh, I am a defense contractor. I guess that's sort of what you do right now, right? With Nyla. That is exactly right. Yes. We're a defense contractor. So Nyla is a defense contractor, small business that focuses on uh, software engineering of cloud-based architecture. So we deal with lots and lots of data uh, the digital transformation of things from silos or own servers to a cloud-based architecture and uh, data science because processing huge, huge amounts of data and making patterns, recommendations uh, and cybersecurity, which also happens to be a very large amount of data. You have all these uh, different sensors and packets coming through that you're constantly looking and recognizing for patterns. So really always on the capability and uh, building building system side. 
Um, but the way I came to, so I worked for this company and it was a good company. Uh, but I just, in the beginning, I just wanted to be a vice president. I wanted to like go up a ladder. I knew there was a ladder. I knew that there was like a top, like a pyramid, you know, I was raised very traditionally, like you go to college and you get a good job and you're an employee. So to me, um, I always had a really strong leadership streak. Um, I didn't love being a software engineer because I felt like you were always being told what to do. So, <laughs> and I hate being told what to do because I know what needs to be done. So I like telling people what to do. Oh, so um, yeah, you're the perfect entrepreneur. <laughs> you're you're like unemployable like I am. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't know why I struggled professionally. But um, so I, I'll, I was really focused on like, how do I become a vice president? What's a ladder? What's the ladder? And um, I think the beauty of working for small businesses, so I ended up working uh, at another small business and we worked um, on the rollout of PKI for the Department of Defense. Um, literally, like we were setting up the certificate authorities and overseeing all of the certificate stations where people had to get uh, their certificates were on their cards. And I think the beauty of that was I finally realized that it was a person who started a business. <laughs> mm. Oh, it's like a human being. Mm, yeah. And it was just this arrogance of if he can do it, I can do it. Like, I, you know, I don't know what he did, but like, it's probably some paperwork. And I think <laughs> I could, I could do a better job than he did. And so that never really went away. I didn't, I didn't see a clear path to starting. So it was really vague. Uh, to me. And then I did a sojourn at a nonprofit for a while, which was really cool. I worked on um, the satellites, uh, a lot of the satellites that go up in the air for the US. Hmm. Um, but it was a nonprofit. And uh, though I thought I wanted that at the time, I just realized, you know, I really am competitive. Um, and I want to grow something and I want to do the work. Uh, and so I again went to another small business and saw it was kind of like these small businesses were like the final push of like, yeah, I'm getting closer and closer to the ledge. Um, and the last small business I worked for was like a five person business. It was so small. And so I had like no fear left um, because I was kind of out there on my own. You know, there wasn't a ton of money to protect me to, if anything happened to the job that I was on. And so I really thought like the only thing stopping me is paperwork. Um, and so I took the leap. So it was like, it was actually years of interviewing people and trying to figure it out. And the path was really not clear. And I don't think the buzzword of entrepreneurship was out there. And this is pre day, you know, this was like before blog, like before podcasts were popular. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was just a lot of interviews and not understanding no, I wasn't even in that environment and fumbling my way through it, but being kind of arrogant and angry enough to be like, I can't work for anybody. Like, no one, there's no one I want to work for. Um, and so I have to do it. I believe that I could do it better, uh, both for our customers and for the employees. And so I finally took the leap and did it. And, and how, how long ago was that? Uh, I started the business in 2013, and then I was still an employee for six months before I finally told my boss I wanted to leave. 
And then it took another six months before I finally got a job as a 1099 and actually quit. So it was a year of like having the paperwork before I completed that. And then um, in government contracting, there's some additional hoops that you need to jump through. And it took another year and a half to get through those. So it was kind of from the start, it took about two and a half years to finally get to, all right, now you're a fledgling baby business. Wow. Was that like, how, wow. I, yeah, I don't know much about government contracting. I mean, I don't necessarily, well, you know, I'm in Silicon Valley, right? Where we right. all think that we're the, you know, oh, entrepreneurs and startups are all in the Valley, but they're right. ever, you know, entrepreneurs, startups are everywhere. It It is curious, the the hoops that you have to go through to be a government contractor. Do you need like certain, isn't there something... Oh man, it totally escapes me. There's something that needs to be set up before they'll even look at you, right? Yeah, it's just a a lot of paperwork. I mean, you really like uh, a little bit more paperwork, uh, and now they're having cybersecurity requirements as well um, that you need to jump through. But I was lucky. I went to a man who had a successful uh, government contracting business, and he was like, "Look, you know." They're not trying to trick you with the, with this paper. Like you read it, you take your best guess on what you think a truthful answer is. And, you know, you keep just filling out the paperwork and there's lots of people available to kind of answer your questions as you fumble your way through it. Um, but from a starting the business perspective, a services business is much lower risk to start. You know, I only really needed my laptop, my phone. Um, and the risk was, you know, a delay in payment. So w- with the government, you're getting paid. So you're yeah. not really, it's the how long before the money shows up in the bank and can you wait that long? And then for the first employee, you know, and these employees are expensive. So it's like, uh, I had to take a loan out of my 401k oh, wow. uh, before we got, before we got, you know, a, a line of credit to cover payroll. Um, so it's kind of figuring out the money machinations, um, but it's relatively ro- low risk. If it yeah. if it goes bust, I could get a job again. Yeah, um, yeah. probably. Yeah. So <laughs> no, uh, I'm sure you can. Of course you can. <laughs> but it wasn't like it wasn't like oh, I need a million. Do- I took anybody's like million dollars and spent it uh, on a a room. It was me sitting on the corner of my couch, um, you know, which is also where I held my baby <laughs> to put her to bed. So like. <laughs> Uh, it, it was a relatively low risk activity. The big risk was just all the time investment. It was a, an extreme amount of time. Yeah. Um, and so that was scary, uh, to me, especially because I had a newborn and was a newlywed. Oh, um, wow. Wow. That's a lot to handle. Yeah. And I was pregnant. Um, so, <laughs> uh, wow. <laughs> so, so yeah, it was, I mean, it's just how life turned out that yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, I met, I met my husband and I was like, nice to meet you. I'm starting a business. And at that point, like I still had to wait, uh, about another year cause his money was tied up in his house, uh, cause he was remodeling it. And so, um, then I finally started. So, but like, you know, I'm a woman in my thirties and if you want to have kids, you, you can't really wait. And so at that point, both were, both were what I wanted to do. And so I just had to, uh, do both at the same time. Yeah. I mean, a lot of women founders, I think have that kind of, I mean, it's almost like it's 
I mean, it's this double standard almost, I, I want to say. It, it's sort of a hard thing to kind of put your kind of to kind of say or more importantly, like get your head around because um, and you read studies about it where, you know, women entrepreneurs starting their own business yet there is their responsibilities on the home front hardly ever go down. <laughs> you know, it's this. It, I, I, did you have that same experience or was it just like we're we're just going to do this and everything is just it is what it is. Uh, I think I'm stubborn enough and focused on my goals enough that I was like, this is what it is. Um, Mm. so my husband had, was a government employee at the time. He actually had been government his entire career. Um, so he was the stable steady had lots of leave. Um, so I took six months of, uh, uh, maternity leave which felt like a lot to be a consultant who just started a business. Then he was able to take six weeks of leave, um, which might not sound like a lot for Silicon Valley, but out here on the East coast, uh, the government actually doesn't give uh, maternity or paternity leave. So that was, uh, we were lucky that he was able to do that. And anytime the kid was sick, he had to do it. He had to do a lot of the pickups and the drop-offs, but I still, uh, you know, had to handle an equal amount at home and, um, I finally ended up hiring someone to handle the laundry because it was a bone of contention uh, with us. Oh, wow. And I found that like yelling at my husband about it didn't actually motivate him to handle it. And so for wow. the sake of our marriage, you know, we paid for services, I think, before we really had money. Um, uh-huh. So it was really like the salad days when we were money was tight. We had, you know, expensive daycare plus you're getting babysitting, plus we're paying for help um, inside the house because I'm working constantly. And when I'm not, I want to be with my baby. Right. Um, and then plus I was trying to get pregnant again. And so you have the doctor's appointments. And I felt very, um, I felt very disadvantaged compared to my male peers at the time uh, who often started a business with two other men. Um and, you know, weren't giving birth and their wives were stay at home. So yeah. it was definitely, I would say my husband is extremely, extremely supportive um, and does a lot. But I've also had to take a hard stand of like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Um, and we ordered a lot of takeout because he's not a good cook. <laughs> so it was fortunate we lived in the city. Uh, and this was even, I mean, it's funny how much times change. This was even yeah. pre like, Uber Eats or DoorDash or, uh, so we were fortunate. We lived right next to all these restaurants and would go pick up food all the time. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think I was lucky in the marriage, but you know, it was, it was kind of a condition that this is who I was meant to be and to do. And if you want to be on board with this, uh, this is what it's going to be like. No, I mean, that's a great, uh, kind of mantra, you know, like go, as you intend to proceed. I mean, my, my fiance says that all the time. Um, you know, this is what the way it is. So there's no surprises. And, and I think right. what, what's really, it's really fascinating about kind of your journey, which, which I've heard multiple times. In fact, one of my, one of my friends that I was at a 500 startups with, uh, Ari, she was pregnant at the time she was going through this accelerator. And I think she was the first 500 startups company to actually pitch 
pregnant or something. I don't know. It was some, right. she had, you know, and you know, it's like, what was really interesting. I mean, she, you know, she had a great idea. Um, and the, but the way, the way people treated her was a lot different and it was a bit disheartening because she was working just as hard as everyone else yet her responsibilities were like amplified. I mean, I don't even know, right? Because of course, I'm right. not, I've never been pregnant, so I don't know. But I would always see her in the corner, just like taking a moment because either she was tired or because she was like. It's actually easier when you're pregnant huh, okay. than it is after you have the newborn. Oh, okay. So when you have the newborn and you have this. Uh, breastfeeding mafia, right? So you're like supposed <laughs> to be with a baby all the time. Oh, and I didn't have a oh, job. Um, I think, you know, sometimes you can start a business and it's all remote and you can work from home and right. it's just glorious. But a lot of times it's pounding the pavement and it's meetings with people and lunches with people. And then you're trying to breastfeed and pump and be there and your baby's not sleeping and you're not sleeping. And, um, it's really hard that first year. It's really, it's, it was much easier pregnant. I mean, like pregnant was just kind of you and uncomfort, uh, being uncomfortable. Uh, but with the baby, it was just brutal. Um, you know, and your body's changing again, uh, after pregnancy too. So, uh, my husband used to be like, you know, this might not be the year your company grows a lot. And I would get furious at him. Um, he's like, you know, you're pregnant and you're giving birth. So that might slow you down a little. And I would get so angry, but, um, it definitely was, uh, well, especially I didn't have partners, so it was me doing everything. Um, so I feel like the men had an advantage because they had partners, but it like catches up because then people have part problems with their partners or they have a corporate divorce or they have arguments about their vision or um so though it was steadier i was able to build a a very solid foundation i mean it sounds Um, like it i mean it's like trial by fire almost i mean talk about really one not only wanting to do it but two building something that you know is going to be sustainable given all the constraints and and I know now I think you know you have another company called Vital Up, right? Um, and I know your husband runs or helps you run one of them. I'm not sure which one. It didn't. I didn't. Get he helps that. me run the government contract. Oh, okay. So he, yeah, he's a uh, um, the number two, as I like to say. <laughs> <laughs> Just so we're clear, you know, I think I have. Uh, I love it. One of my major one of my major issues is he was technically there for the founding of uh-huh. Nyla. Right. Um, but he didn't quit his day job for uh, like four years. Mm. Uh, so um, before he finally joined Nyla full time. And uh, so he did like some paperwork related to the company, but it was really me uh, running it and trying to grow it. Um, and I think I'm very sensitive because a lot of times when it's a husband and wife, people yeah. assume the man is in charge or yeah. that the woman is a ride along. Um, and I've had a couple comments like, Oh, you know, like you must handle benefits or, uh, like (laughs) plan the events. Like it's clearly your husband's company. Uh, Even if, even if I just got done saying like, uh, you know, I majored in computer science, we are a software company. 
Um, but they're like, oh, but you know, it's like clearly your husband's business. Um, so I definitely have like a, uh, hair trigger response, uh, to that, that I'm getting better about. But, um, so now he understands when I say like, it's my company, but in the beginning it made him mad because he was very supportive and there. Um, but it's because the social perception is so strong when it's a husband and wife that it's oh, yeah. the wife is really a non-critical part of the company. Yeah, that is, that's unfortunate because that's not the case. I know, um, you know, my, my late wife, Jane, uh, she died of leukemia three years ago, a little over three years ago. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I, I talk about her all the time. It chokes me up sometimes just because, you know, she was 36 and passed on, which is way too young. And, you know, we were, we were trying to have kids at the time and that's how we found out. Um, but she owned her own business, JSYPR and marketing, which I actually run now. Like I inherited it from her. Um, and when, when she got sick, she's like, look, your startup, this whatever digital health company ain't paying you, buddy. <laughs> you get your, get your butt over here to JSY and you need to help me. Cause I can't go out. I can't, I can't hit the pavement, right? I can't do anything. Right. We would do events and, you know, traditional PR and marketing stuff, but then also for nonprofits and athletes. I mean, there's this whole, like she built this thing, you know, it, she was going at least 10 years before I even met her. Super proud of it. And, you know, she was like, she's in charge. She's the boss, right? And I'm, you know, it was funny because the first, the year I took over, we did our best year ever for her company, like hands down. And she got so pissed at me. <laughs> she's like, she's like, she's like, it's because you're a tall white guy that this, everyone thinks that blah, blah, blah. I built this. I mean, we, I mean, you know, she's sick with leukemia getting <laughs> chemo and she is pissed, you know, cause she was a, you know, a woman well, it was minority. Her baby. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It was her baby. It was I'm, her baby. Exactly. And so, but, but this was, was really funny because you could see that. I mean, we would go to events and I would, you know, help her because, you know, as part of our, uh, we actually met through the now mayor of San Francisco, London Breed. And and so we'd go to these events and she'd say, yeah, I'm with JSYPR and marketing. And I'd say, yeah, I'm with it too. And then they'd say like, they'd, they'd like turn to me and start talking to me like, like I'm in charge. And I'm like, oh no, you got to talk to her. Because <laughs> I mean, I was like you, I have a degree in electrical engineering. I was like developing software and integrated. I mean, I had no idea about PR and market. I mean, I, the only skill I brought to the table was I understood startups and I can write. I, I'm, 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 I write really well. So, and I just can generate content, right? So she got so pissed and I could only imagine, um, you know, that conversation. Cause when it does come to a husband and wife team, um, the, de yeah, people think the default is the husband started it and the wife's just helping out. Right. Um, which I think is a bad, it's just not only is it not right or respectful thing to do, in my opinion, right? Because I actually went through this process as well with, with Jane, but I think it discounts the effort and the gumption as well as the skills that I think anyone that really wants to start a business can do. So is it is it better now that you guys have been doing this for, I don't know, couple years like almost well 2013 so seven eight years how, how is how is it working now um well I think you know I was used to um people 
not giving me credit or assuming based upon my appearance anyway. So, you know, the whole time I was a software engineer or an engineer, um, a lot of times people are uh, thinking like, is she really an engineer? And you could see them take a while to actually listen to what I was contributing to the technical solution. Um, but the, in the beginning, you can see them kind of pondering and being like, oh, she's not here to sell me something or she's not the project manager, um, she's actually technical. Can you hear me okay? I can, yeah, I can. Okay, um, so uh, so I think it didn't surprise me uh, that much and I think I, I was prepared for that. Um, my husband is very comfortable being the number two. He is very complimentary uh, to me and um, uh, in front of other people. And he definitely has complimentary skills to me. We, you know, we cover different domains. So he's an expert in cybersecurity, which I'm not. Um, and he's not great at software. Um, <laughs> and we each, and we each have kind of our different roles. Like I'm, when it comes to the money of the business, I'm obsessed with like the income and yeah. revenue. And yep. he's obsessed with making sure I don't spend it all. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and paying bills, which I hate with my whole heart. And I'm very strategic. Um, right. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm very fast. So I think, um, uh, I think I felt that in my gut about him and I, even though it's not always like smooth sailing, but yeah. it's, uh, it's uh it's a really good partnership well we actually work together out so we met at work oh, okay, <laughs> i cool. should add we met at work cool, and cool, he cool. was in charge uh of the project that i uh worked on so nice um, yeah you so I, I had a sense of what he was like professionally yeah no you, you, i mean you sound a lot like my late wife jane like that was sort of our split too i mean she just was obsessive about the income and the revenue and you know making sure that we, we got, you know, more clients. And then I was always like, okay, look, let's just, you know, make sure we've got the system. I mean, I just, my mind worked that way. She was, she was way more, um, you know, she, she, she tracked all the, the, the money and stuff way more than I did. And it was funny because we would fight about that a lot. <laughs> I remember when I, when I had to take over, um, you know, she had a way of doing things and I had a way of doing things. And I remember I'm like, I need a system. I need a tool. I need to put all these contacts in, like in a CRM because they're all in your email and I have no idea what's going on. And she yelled at me for like buying a tool. <laughs> She's like, you can't, why are you spending money? And I'm like, well, I need to, I need to figure this out. And, and I think what's interesting about the, you know, co-founder of a business when it's a husband and wife, um, you know, when, when, when the delineation's clear and respect is there and sort of you, you kind of compliment each other. I mean, I think in all relationships, the people that compliment each other tend to be probably a little more in harmony, you know? I mean, it, it's like, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it just feel, I mean, it feels that way now with my fiance Minerva where her skills are different. She's got a, she works for a big corporation, you know, I'm the more entrepreneurial, you know, we still have some tension about that because <laughs> like exactly what do you do all day? <laughs> oh, I have all these right. things, right. You know? Um, but, I, but it, but this whole, you know, co-founding a company like that founder relationship um, either can be enhanced or severely hampered, you know, if there's also an emotional intimate relationship, um, are there like certain times where 
you you guys just like say, okay, we're not talking about business or like we can't talk about this right now because it's just too charged. Do, do you run into that? I'm, I'm just curious. Um, I would say we're not super great on process or rules. Like we're, we've never been the type of person who's like out the door at the same time every day or put our kids to bed at the same time every day. Like our neighbor has twins and those kids go to bed at like 7 p.m. sharp every night. And we just like really find that fascinating and amazing <laughs> and, and out of our reach. Um, so we we talk because the business is tied to our life and our dreams. And, you know, we're even being executive coached or executive team is being coached. And part of the coaching is even like, what are your life dreams? Oh, um, so it's very, you, you, because, you know, your life dreams has an impact on how you execute in business and what you're, you know, backing up to what your goals are. Um, but I don't like him to talk to me in the morning. <laughs> so that's been a issue. He's a real like wake, sunshiny chitty chatter in the morning and we're like I'm coming down tired for coffee and he's like ready to pounce with a discussion item so he's learned to text me uh, (laughs) or email me in the morning and to give me the quiet space Um, so I think that's the challenge is not even just being a couple but the couple with the children yeah is a real layer of stress because you know, you're trying to get work done before our daughter wakes up and cling and literally like clings to us. Yeah, so uh, sure. it's it's kind of all of that challenge. But uh, we do go away each year uh, on a trip that's just us, which is pretty spectacular and fun and good to remember how much we like each other. Uh, <laughs> um, so that's a that's a major highlight. And we do a lot of dates. Um, and we have like dinner each night together. Um, so, and, and we've started instituting family dates as well, um, to make sure that we're, uh, good as a family. We're good as parents one-on-one, but we hadn't been doing enough as a family. Um, but you know, we like working, we like, you know, when he's not working on the business, he's working on the house or, um, like to me starting a second business was easy because it's just like bubbling out of me anyway. Uh, you know, and it was easy to do the sales. So it was kind of no big whoop. Uh, and what else am I going to do? Like watch TV, you know, like (laughs) I already read a lot. Like what, I mean, there's not like that much, you know, my kids don't want me talking to them 24 seven either. Like like my my son wants to play uh, Fortnite. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we don't have a great balance and I don't think we really care, but we're both pretty energetic and uptight and um, in sync with the vision. Yeah, I mean, I, I was talking to uh, Tom Schwab. Um, he, he runs a company called Interview Valet for podcast interviews. Um, like his his firm will get you podcast interviews. Um, great guy, former Navy guy, nuclear uh, aircraft carriers and stuff like oh. that. Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty interesting. But he, so he, I talked to him about like, you know, everyone says work-life balance and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, I, you know, you mentioned something that was just, just got me thinking. It was just really insightful um, because his term was work-life integration because he just loves what he does. He's like, I love what I do. Why do I care how much time I spend on it as long as my life is integrated in a way that I can do what I want to do. And and I remember reading an article 
about Seth Godin, who I'm sure you know, who's the you know right. marketing guru guy. And I remember he he would say he had the story about he's at this resort. He's supposed to be on vacation, right? Like Seth Godin never on vacation, but <laughs> he's on vacation. He's at some resort somewhere, um, and he's working because you know he's on the phone or working or whatever. And this apparently this couple comes by. It's like in Mexico or something, and they look at him like. Like, how could you be working? You know, like, you know, like, like almost like poo-pooing that, you know, he can't like turn it off. And then he comments, he's like, well, look, he's like, this is, you know, the only two weeks you have from your crappy corporate job that you're, you know, that you hate. Right. And so you're escaping it. Right. And he's like, this is my life. Like, I love what I do. And as long as I continue to love what I do, I'm going to work whenever I want. And Tom, Tom had, you know, Tom's like work-life integration, I think is what you're trying to do. Um, it sounds like it, that this, this work-life balancing, I've always struggled with this too, because I have so many ideas, like, I, like literally this over the weekend, we, we actually went camping up at, you know, place where I didn't even have cell phone coverage, it's at a river, you know, redwoods up in, up in Northern California. And my mind is just like thinking of all these things. Like, wow, I could do this and that and this and that. I'm like, man, there's so many opportunity. But like, I don't know how to shut it off. So, so do you do you have a way to shut it off, or is it just like I have another idea, I write it down, and I work on it? Or how, how do you go through that process? Because it, it sounds like to me that you know you must have a fountain of idea, great ideas <laughs> that you need to work on. Yeah, I, I don't know that I uh, turn it off. I don't know that uh, I want to. I think I've been, I'm happier now uh, because I'm in more control of my life and I'm not doing the things in the business that I don't love. Like I'm finally not running payroll. Um, and so when you get to work on the things that are your flow and you have, you don't have to take care of everything and work on the things that you're really weak on, then it's more pleasurable. Um, I really love working from home. Um, so, you know, sometimes I, uh, sit next to my kids and they want to watch TV and we're touching and cuddling and I'm sitting there working and, you know, it's not like they want a chitty chat. Um, and so I feel like I'm, uh, engaged mom. I think it was hard with COVID and yeah. uh, giving all the, giving all the attention during COVID, but I feel like I'm an engaged mom and an engaged, uh, caring wife, um, and partly because I've been able to build the company and the lifestyle in the way that I want. But I mean, my kids even want to start a business. So we uh, got their, <laughs> do their domain name oh, and wow. um, so I've honed in and we're working on uh, setting that up as well. Um, wow. So yeah, I never turn it off. I might convince my personal trainer to start her own business. You know, my son's piano teacher has a business that I've been like coaching. Yeah. So I just, uh, I feel like I'm my, 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 myself, like yeah. this is my authentic self. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I feel like, you know, creative gets be creative. So, um, I, I think that's partly why I started the second business is because government contracting can be very slow and very feast or famine. You either win something huge like a whale and you eat for years and years and years and years or you keep hunting for a whale. Um, and, uh, so doing the digital marketing is much faster, much more creative, much, uh, very direct in helping people. Um, so yeah, I very clearly am partnering with companies and I do a lot of free 
advice and strategy on what I think they should do. Um, partly because I don't even care because I'm not desperate. Like, so the freedom's there for me too, because my income is really supplied from the other business. And so right. I feel right. comfortable being like, no, that's, that's really ugly or it's really not clear. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, or, you know, you really should be doing this. Um, and moving our clients towards something that's more profitable for them. So they're getting a lot of business strategy uh, for free um, just in the conversations, which I kind of consider a, a, give, a giveaway anyway. Like, oh, here's three ideas. You don't even have to pay us for all of them. But like, here's three things. If I was you, I would implement. Yeah. Yeah. Is it does it focus on all kinds of companies or is it a specific niche? And it, it that's virtual up, right? That's the name of it. Uh, vital up vital up, sorry um, vital up. yeah it's um we don't have a specific niche we are getting a couple government contracting clients because i do understand uh business to government sales uh extremely well um and i do think you know my experience in having a small business uh allows me to talk one i'm in connection with many other ceos um i understand the business cycle and the pain points at a level um that's similar to them, right? Or I yeah. might even be ahead of them. Yeah. Uh, so, so I'm using the tools for myself and going through a lot of it as well, um, and kind of understand that. So it's easy to kind of get the sales. Uh, so right now it's a lot of word of mouth. We actually don't even have our like you know the cobblers kids have no shoes. We actually <laughs> don't have our own. We have like blogs waiting to be posted, but right. we haven't even posted our blogs. Um, yeah. 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 Cause we're trying to grow, uh, effectively. Yeah. Um, and in the beginning, you know, you, you struggle with what tools and what processes you need to do, um, while you're executing at the same time. So once you kind of stabilize on tools and who you are and how you're going to execute, it gets a lot easier. What, what do you see as the biggest challenge companies have with their, their digital marketing and their just their whole, um, like messaging. I mean, how, I mean, I got it. Well, believe. they don't even do it. Like, yeah. so it <laughs> okay. Well, then we'll start there. <laughs> I mean, a lot of them don't, well, for government contracting, uh, they don't think it's valuable. Uh, they don't do it. They don't do it consistently. They're uncomfortable. I think a lot of people are uncomfortable using their voice and speaking up. Yeah. Um, for sure. And having any sort of a real tone because actually the the more authentic you are the more detailed the nuance yeah like in baltimore city not just baltimore not just maryland right like yeah. we are uh, approaching software engineers who do this specific type of work not just anything right and the more specific you are the more interesting it is um and so we really try to hone in i think that's actually the hardest part is us coming up to speed on our clients so that we can really much more accurately have um, uh, a good representation of them versus having something really just bland and generic, like, you know, happy father's day. Yeah. Um, yeah. You want, you want a real voice uh, that makes it different. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of people just don't do it. They don't understand kind of the power of those tools and, um, I think LinkedIn is an unbelievable business to business platform that most people aren't really leveraging. No, not at all. I mean, I, I have the same experience with the clients I work with and and it, it always revolves around telling a better story. And right. it's just shocking to me how much people don't get 
that it's not about the product, it's not about the company, it's not about the technology, it's about your story. Like, I am going to buy from you. I'm not buying some, I'm eventually going to buy the widget, but I want to trust you. I want to get to know you. I want to know your story. I want to know why you are the one, right? And and it's it's just, I, I, and I don't know why people are afraid of it. Like, you know, I, I talk a lot about Jane. I talk a lot about what happened after she, during the time she was sick, a lot about what happened after she passed away, the challenges I had with substance abuse, really sad and grieving, especially as a man, you know, 46-year-old widower. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's like, that's not even almost not, not unheard of, but like no one knew what to do how to deal with me no one i mean i talked about this sort of stuff and you just look at their eyes like what do i do but how can i not talk about that when i run her company and i do all the things that that i do right i it's part of who i am and the people that kind of don't understand that even if you're a government employee even if you're at some like buttoned up you know accountant whatever 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 like you as a human matter, and your story is the most powerful thing you have, and it's yours. You are the only one that has it. It doesn't, you may think it's boring. It's never boring. I remember every time I talk to someone on this podcast I've never met, you know, this is the first time we've met, right? It's amazing how, how much comes out, and we talk about great things and, you know, getting to know you, getting to know all the other guests. It's this fascinating story, right? It's right. And, and, and so what is it, what do we have to do as, you know, I mean, I'm in the same business, similar business. I, I struggle with how to convince people that this is important, that real stories matter, stories change the world. And the person that tells the best story wins just hands down full stop. What have you found has helped do to do that? Um, I've tried telling them like, you know, it's just digital. It's not forever permanent record. You can delete it. You can try something again the next day, especially LinkedIn posts or tweets. Um, you know, most of 99% of the time, you're not going to write something that's going to ruin your career. <laughs> um, true. Yeah. so like stepping out and engaging. And I, I actually try people to just start with being a social person. And just commenting on other people's posts, right? Like instead, if you're uncomfortable speaking for yourself, just start by like, great job, congratulations. Um, Or the mini one is like, this article was really interesting. I liked this point, you know, something very benign uh, to start with. Um, So not everyone believes, but I think that's okay because that's competition. Yeah, (laughs) like everybody's got to use their different talents. And if people don't think that that's something that they need to do, then maybe they won't get get to the next level. Um, so I think it's kind of natural competition that not everyone gets comfortable learning or uh, buying the help that they need to get to the next level. Wow. Well, it's you know it's been a great conversation. Um, I really appreciate all your time. Uh, I think that was a perfect <laughs> perfect place to end. So. Uh, Thanks again. Stay safe and uh, looking forward to to seeing all the great ideas you have coming up in the future. Yeah. uh, Cool Kids Inc. That'll look out for that website. Oh, awesome. Oh, I cannot wait. uh, I think we're starting with subscription boxes. 
Oh, neat. Super cool. Yeah. I have a, a, my f- future step stepdaughter would probably be interested in that. So I'll, I'll check it out. Thanks again. Cool. Thanks. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learn something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.